Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Anonymous Andrew, back with you today. Life and the choices we make. And I made a choice today. I chose to have on a gentleman by the name of Adam Vibe Gunton. And Adam has an incredible story of recovery. Actually, his motto and brand is Recovered on Purpose. Adam went from being homeless just several years ago and addicted to IV drugs to now branding and a best-selling author and so much more. Um, I'm going to let him tell you the story because this man blew me away. You know, folks, I've been in sobriety for now, well, total of maybe 15 years, but eight years I put together. Actually, today's my anniversary. I'm recording this on July 4th. Adam is my hero, okay? He is the man, and he's a brother in recovery, and I invited him on to share his story and tell it like it is, because there is hope. If you are struggling with any substance or any addictive personality, this is um, an episode you must hear. All right, so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you listen to the episode because I think it's going to blow you away. And please subscribe to this podcast, follow me, give me a review so I can keep bringing you these episodes. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back with you again and with another great episode. We're going to shift gears a little bit today and go back to um, sobriety and recovery. As you know, that is part of my story. So today I have with me a gentleman by the name of Adam Vibe Gunton, and he is a best-selling author. He is the founder of Recovered on Purpose and the author of a book called From Chains to Saved. Welcome, Adam. Andrew, thanks for having me, brother. Excited to be here. Great. Adam, I uh, have said from the beginning, I w- if anybody has a story about recovery and addiction, and uh, I welcome them on my podcast, um, I, I especially if it's a success story like yours. So tell us your story from wherever you want to start to how you got to writing a book and starting this uh, is the recovered on purpose. What is that? A foundation? Is it a. Yep. We're a 501 C three nonprofit and I'll get into that little bit. Uh, okay. Cause I think, I think preluding it with exactly why it even exists is kind of important. Um, you know, anybody out there that's listening uh, that is either in recovery or 
especially if you're searching for recovery, stick around because the ideas we're going to talk about in this episode, you know, if you're in recovery, we're going to talk about why we're failing, why we are failing the people that are searching for recovery and what we as a community can do in order to light that fire back up for those out there that are seeking it. So I grew up in Littleton, Colorado, and everybody's heard of my high school. I went to Columbine High School. And growing up, I was kind of like a like golden boy. I was the, you know, captain of the football team. I was the home run derby hitter at the Little League World Series. Had all these great things going on. I didn't have any of these crazy traumas, you know. And then something that I was hiding the whole time was that when I was 12 years old, uh, an older influence introduced me to cocaine. So while all these things are going on in the front, you know, and I'm putting on this really good mask, uh, in the background, I'm using drugs and drinking like crazy and just going deeper and deeper and deeper into this addiction. But at the time, I'm just partying. I'm just having fun, you know. And honestly, anybody out there that says that they didn't have any fun drinking or or drugging, they're lying to you. Right. During the high school years. And college, yeah. And during your high school years and your college years, it's almost like a rite of passage. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And. And, you know, I started I started young. And then when I went to college, uh, it was September 28th, 2008. And I had been out drinking and partying like most nights my freshman year of college. When I woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg, hmm. I swam through the soft sheets to find my hard phone with the bright screen that read 447 a.m. My best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I could answer the way I was feeling with. Ugh, hello. And in my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, Hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi. Don't call me this late again. And I hung up on him. And he shot himself. And for nearly a decade after that phone call, I was unable to share that with anybody as I bottled it down deeper and deeper and deeper with drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol were no longer a way to party and have fun. From that moment, drugs and alcohol became my solution to life. I knew that I was now masking something. I was hiding something, but I was doing it consciously. When something bad would happen, I would use so I wouldn't have to feel it. When something exciting happened, I would drink in order to celebrate it. And it continued to progress over and over and over until November 6th of 2015, I was found behind the wheel of a car without breath or pulse by the police from an overdose. And the body cam footage of that event has now been seen. I don't even know quite a few million people have seen that body cam footage. And I had to see in April of, of 2016 in a, in a courtroom, in a preliminary hearing or whatever it's called, I had to watch the video of my own dead body right in front of me as if I was a fly on the wall watching my own life and what I was doing to it. And you would think that that would be enough to make somebody stop. A wake up call. Yeah. You but I think. suffered for two more years mm -hmm. and I was unable to stop using. I was unable to stop drinking and it led to me being homeless I was 86 from the homeless shelter, so I was super homeless. And I was unable to stop using the drugs that were taking everything from me. And I got to a point where, you know, I'm 220 pounds right now. I was 148 pounds at the end. 
And during this time, you know, and I'm I'm telling you the the circumstances that I found myself in. But the real rock bottom for me, because I, I believe the rock bottom that everybody talks about and defines is a myth. Because everybody talks about rock bottom based on circumstances, right? You have to let them hit rock bottom. But I thought it was rock bottom in 2013 when all my friends ostracized me, kicked me out of my, my really popular group. And then I ended up in an apartment alone trying to kill myself. Then I thought it was rock bottom when I was looking around this homeless shelter at what my life had become. And then I thought it was rock bottom when I got kicked out of that homeless shelter. But the real rock bottom for me and for other people like me is when it got to a point on November 7th of 2017, when I realized that I had tried everything to stop and I could not stop and I also could not keep going. And I asked God to let me die. Please let me die. And when I was when I asked him that and I was so honest about it, like I did not want to keep going. I couldn't keep going and there was nothing I could do. It was as if that's what I needed to find the willingness to actually recover. I had to get to this point where I was willing to completely admit defeat. And that's when this new sense of power came into me. But it wasn't like the power I always felt, you know, that I'm the strong person, I'm, you know, strong willed and all this stuff. Not nah, it was a sense of power, like, okay, I'm I'm finding out that I can be serene in life without having to have control of all the outcomes. Because up to this point, I was going to two 12 step meetings a day. I was going to Bible study every Tuesday. I was going to church every Saturday, every Sunday. I was going to my probation officer randomly. I was, all of my plans were so tightly in my grip of how I was going to recover. I wasn't able to recover. I had to get to this point where I just gave it up to God. And then that's when I actually found recovery. Wow. I, as you were going through the rock bottoms, um, I would have thought the suicide of your friend would have been a rock bottom too. I, I, I had a, a, I guess it would be somewhat similar. Uh, the night before my mother passed away from a stroke, she had called me from out of state. She lived out of state and she would just called to say hi. And I was high and I didn't take the call because mm. I wasn't going to talk to my mother high. And the next morning when I still was nursing my hangover, I heard she had a massive stroke and died. So, you know, that, that you think things, you think things like that would be a rock bottom. Like I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my mom the night before because I was on drugs, you know, or, or mm -hmm. drunk or both. So I have, I have a question for you about that because you're, you're somebody that went through the 12 steps and that does the 12 steps. Correct. Am I right? Correct. Did you make amends to her? And if so, I, how? Um, the best way that I could do it was uh, first I was, I did her eulogy, uh, which was real rough. Um, but I went and, and she, while she died in Florida and I'm in New York, they, they brought her up here and her remains are buried not too far from me. So I visit her and I literally go talk to her at, at, at the grave. Um, I have sat down and I've talked to my mom in front of, on top of her grave. Um, mm. So yeah, I, my mom was a devout Catholic and 
believed in God and that there's a heaven and all that. So, and, and I do too, but um, in slightly, slightly my own way, but I know that she's watching and listening. So Amen. yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so do you know that she's forgiven you of that? I, then, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I ask, I ask these questions because I think this is something that, um, you know, I, I, it took me four or five years into my recovery to really uh, forgive myself for what happened with Chuck. Then I also had to forgive him for what happened, mm. but like, but like a real kind of forgiveness to let it go, you know, because both of us did something there. Both of us did something there that, that I needed to amend what I did to him, but also I needed to forgive what he did to me yep you know because that was that was eight years of my life that that suicide took away yeah you know and i'm still working on um different types of amends to myself because it's and that's why i'm asking these questions with you because i love to get other people's perspectives about how they are forgiving themselves and working in recovery with you know the things that we did in our past not only to other people but it hurt us to do that stuff so okay so i have a question for you because yes i'm in 12 steps and yes i've done the 12 steps and yes i have done my amends to everybody that was on that list i am struggling today to to forgive myself for not necessarily my drug past but some other after my sobriety i did some stupid stuff um mostly relationships and women <clears throat> excuse me and i'm i'm walking around with lack of self-love and self self-dignity which came on I, I i i i never addressed it in my sobriety and now i'm being told by my sponsor and my therapist and that and and people that i'm interviewing that i need to start working on how do you make amends to yourself how did you do it um it's re- it's a really easy answer for me I do the absolute best that I can every single day to grow into the absolute best version of myself I possibly can. That's that's it for me. If that means that today I'm I'm doing a very specific exercise in the gym, that means I'm starting a new diet. If it means that you know on yeah. on January first of 2020, uh, I haven't had a sip of soda or energy drink since January first, 2020. Those kinds of things are are me telling myself and my body that okay, I'm somebody that that we love. We we love us now. Yeah. We're not going to harm us now. And I believe that the better we are, us in recovery, the people that the 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 percentage of us that actually get out of the active addiction and alcoholism, we owe it to ourselves and to our community to become the best version of ourselves. Because even the traditions of 12 steps, they say attraction rather than promotion. Right. The best way to attract people to recovery is living your best life yeah. <laughs> and being being the best version of you you can. And I think this started on my six months of recovery. Um, I Since I was like 17, 18 years old, I always wanted to go skydiving. But I could never go skydiving because I it costs a lot of heroin to go skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, and that's, you're like 13 and a half thousand feet from any heroin, you know, yeah. and you don't know how long you're going to be up there. So I couldn't do it for so yeah. long. You wanted to do it. So I went skydiving for my six months clean and sober. Well, good for you. That was something that I do for amending to myself. Okay. That's, um, and that's a good answer. And that's the, I think that's the answer I was looking for. I too, <clears throat> when I walked into the program in J July 4th of 2015, I and my audience knows this, and I, again, I apologize. Two hundred and sixty pounds. I had uh, pancreatitis. I had my liver enzymes, and my, and uh, you know, the, uh, yep. you were the opposite. You were losing weight. I had, I was overweight, and, and and in the last eight years, I have worked solely on my body. I like you. I gave up the sugar. I gave up. I only drink water and one cup of coffee in the morning. And I'm even working on getting rid of the caffeine. And then, of course, I'm still vaping. But one thing at a time, right? Um, but that's the physical part. Um, I, I, I haven't forgiven mm. up here. And um, I, I just came from a meeting with my son and my ex-wife. And my ex-wife is in recovery. And it, it was a family meeting because my son is struggling. And I, I think you, you just made me think of that. I think I just answered my own question that, that I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing what I, what I need to do. So, okay. Nothing about me. You're my well, guest. I, I, yeah. And I want to, I want to ask a question on that also sure. who would, and this is for the audience also, this is, this is a, you know, if you're struggling with something or your own self-talk and stuff, um, what is it that the person who had forgiven himself, if you were that person, if you were the person that, wasn't thinking that way if you were the person that had forgiven yourself and had moved on from this what would this person tell you to start doing right now in order to get there oh several things come to mind uh i came into the program an agnostic uh, but today i have a higher power so i start with the higher power um i would ask him to help me with this um actually i have some notes taped around my house um but that would be my first step and um journaling is a lot i do some journaling um and this podcast is my way of doing of, of talking just talking about I'm, I'm being vulnerable i'm talking to you and then i and then last week i talked to somebody and i tell them exactly how I feel. I tell people when I brush my teeth in the morning, I don't like what I see. I, I, it's tough for me to brush my teeth. I, I, I do brush my teeth. I just want to make sure they understand that. But what I see, I don't like. And I'm, I, But I'm struggling with that. But one day at a time, I am inching closer to... We talked a little bit before. I just came out of a three-year relationship that broke me in half. And for the last eight months I've been single and this is the longest time I've been single in my adult life and, and in sobriety and I'm staying single. So I can fix all of that that's broken in me up here. Mm. Physically. I'm, a, I'm great. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a trim one sixty five, And uh, although my last blood works were a little off, uh, which I think was stress from the breakup. I, I, I'm, I'm being told I, I went to a meeting this morning and there's an old timer there. That's got 45 years tomorrow or something. And he's watched me come in the room since eight years ago. And and he looked at me and he goes, damn, you look good. 
you know, you, you've come a long way and you look great. And I'm 63 years old. Amen. You do look good. Yeah. But that's the physical part. You know, that's the outside. And that's, uh, it's the inside that I'm working on. So yeah, we'll get something else. Something else that I do with, uh, journaling is every night before bed, um, writing six things down that I'm going to do the next day that are priority to take me towards the top three goals that I'm achieving either this month, this quarter, or this year. And that can be, you know, that can be all kinds of different goals. It can be a specific goal for, you know, recovered on purpose. It can be a specific goal for my health or relationships or, you know, what it is that I want to do, but your mind can only pick Mm -hmm. three, Yep, three. So yeah, I have a big three and then every night writing down six things. And then in the morning I start on that list. And I think that keeping that momentum also helps me because, you know, if I don't have momentum in my life, I get stagnant stuck. Yep, and, stuck. I was stagnant, and my stuck. mind starts telling me how stuck and, and, mm-hmm. and time wasting I am, you know, and how bad of a person I am and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, I, I'm, I don't know if, if this is in your toolbox, but I was also told uh, several times, and I have yet to do it, is to make a gratitude list. Mm. You know what? What? And, and what's interesting is that, like you, and you really, I, I don't. You did say you were homeless for, you were kicked out of a shelter, and and so you were. You really came from. I have everything. I'm comfortable. I live a comfortable life, and and I'm and yet I I sometimes look at my life and and complain about it and but it's not the materialistic things it's i'm not where i want to be and and i'm at 63 you know i keep telling myself i'm running out of time i'm when when am i going to get to that that finish line and there is no finish line right there there is none we're never going to be perfect so tell us about um your foundation or your uh, the recovered on purpose Tell us yeah. how that want to hear about that. So it basically started um, November. So my clean and sober date, November 6, 2017. Uh, I told you that happened on November 7th because um, the last time I used was November 6th. And that's that's the date I use. Okay. I, need, I needed that first 30 days. I was like, even that one day was going to help me. Yeah, out. Okay. So that's when I started counting. But uh, on November 6, 2019, uh, I published my book from Chains to Saved. And my my plan with it, I wanted to inspire other people to get their stories out in recovery. I wanted to show them that, you know, in two years, you can do this, you know. And after I published it, it became a number one bestseller. It started going all over the place. And I started getting messages and emails from literally all over the world. And people were like emailing me from inside a jail. And people were, you know, sending their kids my book when they were in treatment or they were in jail. And these people were hitting me up saying what my book did for them. So what I did after that was I started coaching and training other people in recovery how to write and publish books. And the first girl, the my first student, my first the first girl that published a book, Brittany Priestley, published her book, Mommy Drunkest, in April of 2020. And the DA that prosecuted her four times in her addiction bought a big box of her books. He now gives out to women that he's prosecuting in the same situation she was in. Wow. So our stories have such an incredible impact on the people that are supposed to hear them. And I believe that with everything in me, like my, my story is 
you know, I met Jesus face to face at IHOP. And then I did the 12 steps in under 25 days, you know, just boom, 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 boom. That story doesn't necessarily jive with everybody in order to find recovery. No. But when I've got, you know, dozens of people all with different recovery backgrounds and different, you know, growing up backgrounds and things like that, I I have, you know, uh, uh, Crystal, she came and saw me speak in February of 2021. And she walked in, there was only like 15 minutes left of my speech, just at the very end, I'm talking about recovered on purpose. For some reason, she just decided like, I want to be able to say I'm recovered on purpose. She stopped using that day. She published her book, October of 2022. And she actually told her story for the first time where not when I was four years old is when the sexual trauma started happening, you know, and she actually starts telling that story and then she starts getting on podcasts Then she starts getting messages from women who have been hiding this about their life for so long, not knowing who to reach out to. Then they reach out to her and then they go to treatment. You know, this this kind of stuff is so it's so possible for our community, especially with this new digital era. Like we when when the first people started doing recovery outside of the medical field, when Bill and Bob met each other in 1934, those dudes were sending letters to each other. Yeah, that's how bad they wanted recovery. And now when we're able to post a video and reach a million people mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're and we're not all doing this. Yeah, we're not Crazy. all trying to reach out to the people out there suffering. You'd be you'd be surprised how many people have messaged me on the Recovered on Purpose page asking for help, having never heard of the 12 steps. Us that are in the rooms, we think everybody's heard of them. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you still think there's a stigma attached to either the stigma of shame? I, I, I'll give you an example. So you hear, I, 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 I first got sober back in 1993 after my first divorce. And, and I, I put five years together and then I went back out. At that time, there was this thing about going into the rooms of 12 steps and running into your neighbor. Oh my God, what happens if I run into Mrs. So-and-so or the, or the, or I run into my postal, my post postman, or it was that shame that what happens if they see me here? And I wonder if people who are, are struggling with reaching out for help, they, and you and I had a conversation before about the 12 steps are not for everybody. So I, I'm wondering, is that is there still a stigma attached to it? Or does, even though, the, like you said, social media has these on Instagram, you can put out a reel and, and reach and reach, uh, I don't know, half a million people in, in 24 hours. You're getting some results and Crystal got some results, but. I'm wondering if if there's still a stigma are people still ashamed because I don't I don't know about you. Before I got sober, I was still hiding the bottles in my mm. trunk of my car and hiding. I wouldn't put the the recyclables out on Wednesday because the whole thing was filled with bourbon bottles. I was afraid, yeah. you know. So is we have come a long way. We've come a long way, and I think that you know society, the stigma upon addiction. And alcoholism and stuff like that is is breaking more and more and more. I think we actually stigmatize ourselves more than anybody out there okay. does anymore. We stigmatize ourselves. 
you know, it's coming out and it's becoming more and more real how much addiction is a disease. You know, when 91% of opiate addicts that go to a long-term treatment will relapse in the first year and 4% of them will die mm -hmm. within the first year of leaving treatment. How is, how is that possible for someone just saying, yeah, I just want to keep doing this. This is, this is my choice. Right. And it's breaking so much in society to where people want to understand more than they want to judge. And the, the beautiful thing about, you know, being in recovery and having the courage to talk about recovery is you have a superpower for connecting with other people. 47% of American adults have someone in their life right now that they love and are connected to that is suffering with substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, that means that every single person that you talk to about recovery, one in two of them is going to be deeply and profoundly impacted by what you say to them. And, and a bunch of them are going to ask you, you know, what do I do? You know, it's a beautiful thing to go to a mastermind, right? I went to this this mastermind here in Colombia, where we rented out this like big mansion and then 50, 60 of us entrepreneurs went to um, a mastermind before and then had this big party after. And five of us spoke and I'm speaking about, you know, how to write a book and, you know, the the power of of using influence to help people. Right. And I wasn't telling my recovery journey. I was just talking, you know, yeah, I'm in recovery. This is what happened. But after the mastermind, you know, there's three, 400 people at this house having a party, you know, and because I'm in that situation and I'm okay with it, you know, there's people drinking and doing drugs and all kinds of stuff. But three people from that mastermind from that night pulled me aside secretly and asked me what they should do because they are suffering right now. One of them told me that he can't even eat breakfast until he's drank a fifth of whiskey. Yeah. And if that's the case, there are so many people out there suffering. I don't care what people think about my journey. Yeah. And the beautiful thing, dude, I've, I'm friends with judges. I'm friends with, you know, all kinds of very, very high level people. And the reason why is because I am unashamed telling my story. Yeah, dude, I was, I was found dead. Look at this. And I show them the body cam footage. Yeah. <laughs> like what? You're going to judge me. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't want you in my life. I'm good on that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm like you. I have, I, I get on this podcast and I tell it like it is. I, I just, I may not mention exactly which twelve-step program I'm in, but I talk about my sobriety and I talk about my mistakes. And I have, I'm an open book. I have no problem. I'm just wondering about. You were talking about social media and and that what Bill and Bob had to write on pen and paper. And and you could only reach, you know, maybe 50 people if they mailed it, whatever they did. To, like you said, today we can put out a reel or a post and reach a half a million people. But how many of those people are going to uh, step forward and... Um, ah, got it. You know... Uh, how many people are actually going to reach out when they need to? Thank you. And that's that's the exact thing that I coach within Recovered on Purpose, because there's a very specific way of how to share your story in a way that reaches them in a way that gives them the courage to reach out. And you have to be consistent. The reason the reason why I get messaged so much is because I've been consistent since November of 2019, Good. posting every day. And people are seeing that this is what I do. 
they've been following me for four or five months and they message me, Hey, Adam, I've been, I've been following you for a few months now and watching your content. And, you know, I wanted to thank you for your page. And I also wanted to tell you that I got 30 days today, you know, that kind of stuff, dude, like I'm getting chills right now. Yeah. I can't tell you how many messages I have like that now, you know, and we don't have to be the one that gets somebody sober because that's not the point. Mm. But if I'm sharing my story and all of a sudden they see this reel of me doing something like get your butt up because that's kind of my that's my recovery. Like get your butt up. It's up to you. You got to do the work. You need to find the recovery because the cavalry ain't coming. And then and then the next reel they scroll to is this sweet girl that's just like hey guys uh yeah you know i have i have uh four years today and just want to let you know you can reach out to me and this girl is scrolling through their suffering you know all of a sudden i watered a plant you know and you're you're grabbing it yeah because she's reaching out to you but we need more my my vision is if we had ten thousand people that were doing what i was doing you know and it's never been about me i'm not like look at me listen to my story that's why it's called Recovered on Purpose and not Adam Vibe Gunton. Right. It's called Recovered on Purpose because we're we're a community that needs all of our stories being shared. Because not everybody's going to drive with mine. Not everybody's going to drive with yours. No. But if we all are sharing recovery is possible, pick which one of us to talk to. You know, we're going to save a lot more people. Yeah. And, and I, I think you'll agree with me that once you, however, whatever journey or road you take to get sober and, and clean, you need a support system afterwards and um so yeah something like that like what you're doing um without a support system you don't stay sober so matter of fact that's what that's how i relapsed back in the 90s i stopped going to meetings and as you know meeting makers make it and um anyway okay adam wow um what else can you tell us about your message Anything you yeah. from chains to, to tell us about the book from chains to saved. It's out available. Amazon. Yeah. Yep. It's available on Amazon. Uh, if you don't have the money to get the paperback uh, copy of it, feel free to go to recoveredonpurpose.org. Uh, I give away the digital and the audio copy totally free. And I'm the one that actually reads it to you. So oh, really? a professional studio, everything it's on, it's on audible. Um, but feel free to go over there and, and pick it up for free. I also have a free relapse prevention worksheet on the website and it is completely fill outable on your phone or your laptop, tablet, everything. You don't have to print it out. You can just do it right there. And it's not like the clinical, uh, relapse prevention because recovered on purpose serves as relapse prevention. Cause what I believe is that we lost that fire that the original people in recovery had. We lost that fire that was the solution. The solution was always we go out and help others. And I believe that us attaching to purpose and whatever that purpose is, we have to attach to it in our recovery in order to remain in a state of being recovered because I'm recovered and I and I have people fight me about using that language all the time, but it is true. I could not go a day without sticking a needle in my arm. The entire thing that I am recovered from is the insanity of not wanting to use, but still using. I'm not there anymore. I was, I was one of those people that had you and I talked either 
30, back my first time I got sober, or I, I became a case act too. I, I, my first time in sobriety, I went and got my credential with alcohol substance abuse counseling certification. And, and in the 12 steps, you will hear the old timer say, you're in recovery. You're not recovered. You never get recovered. And I went with that because that's what I heard. Today, I, I agree with you. There's, I'm recovered from alcohol. I, I have absolutely no desire to drink. Um, and, and believe me, I've been through some shit this past year. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe one or two nights, it crossed my mind. I was actually throwing some of her wine coolers out of my refrigerator that she, after we broke up, and I looked at them and they were these cool looking blue Calypso. And as like, wow, they look good. But I'm telling you the, the the amount of time that it went across my brain was three seconds. And then they just snap went down the sink and, you know, yeah. so yeah, recovered is. Um, that's, that's something that I, that I am a very, very strong proponent for. And I don't, I don't like arguing with people about it because whatever works for your own self-talk. Yeah. However, however, there are studies that show that the way that you identify yourself and believe in your recovery is more important for you remaining in recovery than anything else. Right. More important than community, because community helps you identify. More important than exercise, more important than even, even your prayer and meditation practices. The way that you identify yourself to yourself is the most important thing. So if you tell yourself, I am like, I'm recovered and I am a follower of Jesus. If I'm identifying as that, that makes me act a certain way, think a certain way, all of that. And if you're somebody that has to fight that, you're never recovered. You're always <laughs> an addict in recovery. You're always a recovering addict. Like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't identify as an addict anymore because what that meant for me, and I go straight out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because that is the text that saved my ass. The Bible saves my soul. But that thing tells me the word recovered 26 times and the word recovering twice. Wow. And if that's the case, and it also says in there that we are supposed to identify ourselves as people who have recovered Covered, from alcoholism mm -hmm. to newcomers in order for them to find that hope. Yep. And if we're sitting in the rooms, I wonder if that's why we've gone from 50 to 75% down to 7% or less. Mm. Because people are sitting in there talking about triggers. Like, dude, life was a trigger when I was using. I woke up triggered. <laughs> I woke up. My first thought was I need dope. You know, mm. that's that stuff is crap. The point is the the solution was always us getting recovered and then going out and helping others. And the only way to get rid of that obsession, which is that's what the sickness is that yeah. we're recovering from. I agree. The obsession of I need dope and then the craving that happens when we use it. And if we're not using anymore, the obsession is there. But if we get to a place where we're not thinking about it anymore because we're thinking about others, that's what being recovered means. Yeah. It doesn't mean I can, you know, recreationally smoke a little crack. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, sell this camera yeah. that I'm using yeah. for this podcast. 
podcast. Yeah. So now, once we put that toxin, any toxin, back in the body, you you trigger that disease. I, I yeah, and th- I, and I agree with you one hundred percent. And unfortunately, this debate will go on for whatever amount of time. And I, I but I think it's an old timers look on it. And, and whoever brought it up, I think going forward, the I, I I like your I like your concept and I like your uh your approach and yeah. um. Uh, um, the whole recovered on purpose thing, it, it's, it's, you, you really got me thinking about it because I, I have absolutely no thoughts or obsession to pick up. I'm on a couple of, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, let's just say your final words. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm even on my dating apps when I'm, I'm not really looking to date, but I unfortunately paid for some apps. I wrote, I don't drink. You know, when they ask you, do you drink or, or smoke or drink? I wrote no. And a couple of women will ask me about that. And I, I just, I, I don't get into it. Oh, I just say I'm allergic to alcohol, just like that. I just it doesn't alcohol and I don't mix, and, and I, I I don't have to get into it. You know, like I have to explain it to them. If we ever get into a relationship, yeah, they're gonna find out that I go to meetings and I have a program and yada yada yada. But uh, I don't have to get into the whole thing. Adam, uh, wow, you have given us so much to think about, and I love your story, and I. Uh, encourage anybody listening to go to so the website is recovered on purpose.com dot org yep dot, dot org. org okay uh, by the way all this will go in the show notes yep. and and then it, my facebook is okay. facebook.com forward slash you guessed it recovered, recovered on, purpose. on purpose okay <laughs> and that will be in my youtube youtube.com forward slash recovered on purpose, on purpose. okay <laughs> <laughs> hey be be consistent. That's my podcast is the same, except on Twitter. Every every social media is a, a anonymous Andrew podcast. Yeah. Um, I encourage people to go to your website to uh, read up on you, and if if uh, they can download that book on audio, I, I I often when I have somebody on who wrote a book, I always ask him, is it available on audio? Because I cannot read. I mean, I can read. I just can't sit down and read two paragraphs without having to start over again i like to listen i'm a podcaster i listen to podcasts so i listen to books so i'm glad you narrated your own book it's, it's great and i will be listening to it so awesome. adam any parting thoughts you would like to leave us with yeah if anybody is interested in volunteering uh, we have a a program going on right now that is going to save a lot of lives a lot of lives we're we're nearing the uh, the finish line of this specific part of it, but we have a 50 state comprehensive resource guide for addicts and alcoholics that do not have private insurance or financial oh, resources yeah. for treatment. And we have a whole pathway to help them from reaching out all the way through their entire first year of recovery and beyond. Wow. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, email resources at recoveredonpurpose.org. That's resources at recoveredonpurpose.org. And we can just meet and have a conversation, see what you're looking to do. Um, And depending when this podcast actually goes out, we do have some very uh, large corporate sponsors that are going to become public here shortly in the next month or two. Oh, and that'll be about the time that I'll, you'll be released. Um, I'm got, two or three weeks worth of podcast ahead of you. So it'd be about a month. It might be awesome. good timing. So please have, I think it's Courtney or somebody 
email me all of that information you just gave me your social media links um even that email i wrote i wrote it down but uh, i scribbled it so i have somebody email it to me so yeah adam thank you so much for what you're doing you're doing you're doing god's work you know that and um i i i continue your path and journey and um maybe we'll have you back in the future i i love your story and i'm gonna jump off this recording and i'm gonna follow you on all of those platforms because you're my brother i love it man all right thanks for having me andrew thanks for listening everybody Covered on purpose. I just love how that sounds. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got something out of that because if you're in trouble with alcohol, drugs, or any other addiction, sex, gambling, pornography, shoplifting, and the list goes on, please know that there is hope. There are so many resources out there for us addicts and alcoholics and addictive personality people. When you can go from a homeless shelter, actually thrown out of a homeless shelter because you're addicted to drugs and alcohol and inside two plus years, you have made it to where you are today. It, it just blows my mind and because I know I traveled that path and it's not easy you have to do the work but once you come out the other end it is so rewarding and in Adam's case he is doing a tremendous job at carrying the message Adam thank you so much for joining me today ladies and gentlemen and people of all genders please please for this podcast to continue without revenue i need you to push me up the ranks i need you to like me follow me subscribe me <laughs> subscribe to me and please five stars if you're on apple podcast or any platform that allows reviews give me some stars and a review and let's get this show rocking all right And if you are going to make a choice, especially if it's going to be a choice about sobriety, whether you want to do it or not, please choose wisely. Come on our side, folks. It's a beautiful life over here. Until next time. Ciao.